0: Good morning, everyone. I greet you in Jesus' name. It's good to be here among brothers and sisters, people that are concerned about knowing and following the Lord. I invite you to uh, turn in your Bibles to a familiar passage in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians six beginning at verse ten Ephesians six verse ten. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We'll stop there. A few weeks ago uh, I preached a message, Deliver Us From Evil from the Deliver Us From the Evil One, from Satan and in that message we reviewed the Characteristics of Satan, our adversary, the destroyer, our enemy, who is very angry in these last days, and he is uh, taking out his anger on mankind, especially God's people. And because he is the God of this world, the world is a dangerous place. Our souls and our eternal destinies are, are at stake. And it's always been that way since, uh, since creation, since the fall. It was dangerous for Eve, it was dangerous for Noah and his neighbors, it was uh, dangerous for his sons. Abraham was at risk, and David, the children of Israel. It was dangerous for uh, Peter and John, we talked about in our Sunday school lesson, and for Paul, for Conrad Grebel, and George Blorock. It's dangerous for us. And there have been casualties. Even among people that have uh, named Christ as their Savior and called on God. The children of Israel were warned and encouraged over and over and over again. Love God. Obey God. Serve God. Or there will be judgment. Bad things will come upon you. Moses knew about these risks, and he knew the tendencies of his people. And he warned them, and he taught them. In Deuteronomy 4, is an example, we'll not turn there, but he, in a number of verses there, beginning at verse 14, he's making the point, Take ye therefore good heed, pay careful attention to what I'm saying. And in verse 16, Lest ye corrupt yourselves, If you don't pay attention, don't listen, don't follow, you can corrupt yourselves. And lest thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven to worship the sun and moon and stars. But remember the Lord has delivered you and you owe Him allegiance. Later on in the chapter, take heed lest ye forget the covenant. And then in verses 25 through 28 of that chapter, he prophesies that they will fall, their downfall, and the judgment that will come on them and how they will be taken captive and scattered among, all, among many nations, other nations. How, how heartbreaking that must have been for Moses to tell his people that. He had fasted and prayed for them often. He had devoted his life to them. Uh, after God had called him in the wilderness. But he says there is a way back. There is a way back if they seek God. But what an awful price to pay for rebellion, for disobedience, for sin. The New Testament also has warnings. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly In 1 Timothy 4, that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That was Paul. Jesus gave warnings as well. He said to them in uh, chapter 24 of Matthew, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And in the twelfth verse, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And in verse 24, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And Paul in Second Thessalonians 2, verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. That must have been a grief for Paul to write those words, a falling away among God's people. He told about some. He told about Demas. Demas hath, hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. And Paul was concerned about his churches, about the brothers and sisters, many of whom he had personally led to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted away from the simplicity that is in Christ. And it happens today. Today. We're warned to take heed lest we fall. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So falling away has been prophesied, and, but it's given, those things are given to us uh, not to say in a fatalistic way, this is what's going to happen to you, but as a warning. It does not have to happen. And we're told, rather, to be careful, to be vigilant. The Christian life is often described as a journey. It, it, that really does, that analogy does fit well. A journey toward spiritual maturity and uh, toward a heavenly home. The Christian life is also a battle. We know that. That's... Uh, what these verses have been telling us. There is opposition against any progress. And every step forward toward God and toward heaven is contested by the evil one. He does not want to see that happen. And so the scripture gives us these warnings to be sober and to be equipped. And that's what this passage in uh, Ephesians 6, uh, teaches to us. And he says, finally, my brethren, finally, in conclusion, he brings to their attention the spiritual battle that they're in. In verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the the battle, spiritual opposition. We wrestle, Christians wrestle. It's a contest, uh, not a fun and games contest, but a struggle between two. And the, the words that are used there are uh, describing a struggle until one is victorious, till one is hurled down. And uh, in, there's a number of times there in that verse for we wrestle not against and against and against and against against. What is it? Five times I think against someone against something, against the evil one. And the teaching here in this in these verses is uh, that we need to be able to stand. Verse eleven put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And in these verses, in 11 and in 13, it says withstand, and then having done all to stand, is describing before the battle and during a conflict and and afterwards, after it's over. You know, the, the particular trials and temptations and tribulations that may come our way. But this uh, in verse 11 that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil that's uh, that we would be enabled prepared for the battle who knows today who knows now what this afternoon will bring who knows what tomorrow will bring what temptation what trial will come upon us what Personal struggle we may face. Do we think that we can just coast and be ready and then stand, that somehow God's grace will just flood us to, to stand firm? Do you think there's grace for the indifferent, for those who are not serious about being followers of Jesus? We can't live carelessly and then expect suddenly to be strong when temptation and trial come to us. And so he says, put on the armor so you'll be able to stand, so you'll be prepared. And then in 13, take on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand. So that when the battle comes, when the trial, the temptation comes, you'll have the necessary power. And you'll be able to be victorious. You can successfully resist that temptation. And then having done all, to stand. So when the battle is over, that you will be found still on your feet when all the task is over. That's the way Knox uh, translated that in in an early English translation of that verse. So that when the battle is over, uh, you're still standing, unshaken, still standing for the right, for the holy, the true, not having compromised, but victorious an overcomer. Because there will be more battles to follow. There will be more battles to follow until we're finally rescued from the earth and delivered from this life into the very presence of Christ and to freedom from all sin and temptation. But this victory, this power, is uh, more than we can muster up ourselves. We, we We can't manage this. It takes a strength that we do not have that he talks about here in this passage. Finally, my brethren, we started in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might Be enabled, be empowered. Let your hearts be strengthened. Find your strength in in a union with with the Lord, with Jesus Christ. Draw your strength from God, is what what he's saying. And in the power, in in the force of God's might, not your, personal, your personality or your uh, personal willpower, but in the power of His might, in the, in the force of God's strength, and how strong, how mighty is that? Uh, earlier in Ephesians, he talks about a power, the power of God, being beyond all that we can ask or think. Abundantly beyond be prepared, be able to stand and we need to understand the battle we've we've touched on that already that we it's not a spiritual I mean it's not a a battle a physical battle with uh, Swords and shields and hand grenades and bombs and rifles, or even muscles, but it is a spiritual battle against spiritual forces and against uh, wrong tendencies, sinful tendencies in our in our own hearts. So that's that's one area of the battle. You know, just the the battle against the temptation to to sinful thoughts. And sinful actions, impurity, uh, covetousness, whatever, those come to us, those temptations come to us. And there are books written, uh, uh, Gerald and I were talking recently about some titles, and there's a, there's a book titled, Every Man's Battle, I think the man the author wrote a series, or maybe some others, with him. Every every woman's battle, uh, speaking of sexual uh, purity and dealing with temptations. But that's one area of the battle. It can be uh, uh, struggling against discouragement. You know, bad something happens, uh, whether it's persecution or or insult or. Uh, You know, just uh, like somebody had a bicycle accident the other day, their child had a bicycle accident and did some damage to the teeth, and just a young young girl, and here they're facing uh, two root canals, and I don't think she's 12 years old, 11, 12, something like that, and the, uh, the husband, the father, when he got the news, he just had to sit down. This, was, uh, this is a big thing. We can get discouraged. We can forget uh, that, that God is able, that God supplies our needs. We can have a defeatist attitude. We can even give up. Some people give up. Or there can be personal conflicts. You know, earlier in Ephesians, there's instruction about how masters and servants are to get along, how children and fathers and parents are to get along, how husbands and wives are to get along, and how brothers and sisters within the church should get along. Many relationships that we have and many potential conflicts And James says that carnality brings strife. And he talks about a wisdom that comes from above, that's pure and peaceable. He describes another that comes from below, that is, that produces envy and strife. And that's a temptation for us to to yield to wrong responses when... Things don't go our way with other people. But our struggle isn't really against people. We can get sidetracked into thinking that people are our enemy. But it's, it's ultimately Satan. And it's why we pray, deliver us from the evil one. And why Paul wrote, put on the armor." Put on the whole armor of God. Take unto you the whole armor, because that's the only way that we'll be victorious in it. And notice, too, the way he says this. God provides the armor. He makes the armor available. He makes it possible for us to have it. But we're instructed to put it on. In 2 Peter, there's a passage in the first chapter. He talks about the great and precious promises. He talks about the provisions of God that are richly given to us, offered to us. And then a couple of times in that chapter, in verse 5 and verse 10, he says, give diligence, give diligence. And here we are to put on. There is a part for us. It's not, we're not just dressed in it, but there is effort on our part. We must have it. Take unto you, put on this armor. You must wear it. It is necessary. We need it for protection. And we need all of it. He says the whole armor. What value if our head is covered and our heart is exposed? Paul wrote of armor in other places. In Romans 13, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. He also says, just a couple verses later, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's basically the same thing putting on the armor, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what he's describing here in this armor is the Roman soldier, we're all aware. And he may well, very well have had a live Roman soldier to look at while he was writing this, right, right close by. Just uh, later in the chapter, in verse 20, he talks about being an ambassador in bonds, an ambassador in chains. And, and he, it's thought that he was a prisoner when Ephesians was, was written. Well, let's look through these, these various items of, of armor uh, briefly here and just touch on a few things that, that are just good reminders for us. He says in verse 14, uh, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, a belt of truth, uh, a belt around to, to tidy up and, and hold things together and hold the clothes in place. Uh, in 1 Peter, Peter writes about gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we're to hold the word of God, uh, to be girt with the truth, hold the word of God as the word of God, the truth, knowing and believing and establishing our convictions. Thus saith the Lord, verily, verily, I say unto you, knowing and trusting this truth, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Holding it as as an authority to obey, the authority of of, uh, the scripture, whether it's thou shalt not steal or thou shalt love one another. Satan is the father of lies. And we need the truth. And this is the source of truth. We need it. We need the word of truth. We need the spirit of truth. To be prepared for, for action. And then he talks about the breastplate. That, uh, that coat of mail. That of uh, righteousness, of integrity, of uprightness of being cleansed, you know, being clean and justified so that Satan has no claim upon us. And the protection of and safety of a good life, of a life that is obeying and following the Lord. Not, uh, not a righteousness that our goodness has, uh, has brought about, but rather it's the provision and work of God. There's a protection there, just in knowing the truth, following the truth, and then feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Uh, shoes that were specially fortified to protect from uh, uh, sharpened objects that enemies would cast in the path, and make a uh, footing unstable, a position of peace, of uh, peace with God, a relationship with God, and a, an undisturbed conscience, a clear conscience, free from guilt. That's uh, Satan. Uh, Satan's accusations will, won't uh, stand against us. A stable footing. Assurance of salvation. Now, when you're crossing, I had to think about uh, maybe one of the more unstable things that I've walked through in my life is, as I was thinking about it yesterday, is uh, wading through, through streams or creeks or rivers or something. And uh, in Guatemala, tried that a few times. And, and uh, I remember one time being with uh, Brian and with Dave down in the southern part of Guatemala we were going to visit a remote village and had to cross a river and there'd been some rain and the river was up and there was a uh, a dam that went across uh, the river was just a low uh, thing just a few inches above the water but it went to about uh, four feet from the other bank and then just stopped and the water was rushing through there David was going, Dave was going first, I think, or Brian, one or the other. And they got to the gap and just leaped to the shore. Rocks and dirt and didn't look like very stable footing. And the other one went up to the chasm and leaped and landed safely on the shore. And I came up to, the, uh, to the, where the, the gap was and stopped. And I measured in my eye, and by my eye, and I studied the bank, and I crouched, and I stopped, and, you know, I could just imagine myself, I was pretty confident I could leap that far, but I could just imagine losing my footing and falling back down into the water. So I ended up going the long way around and going back down to where there was a ford and wading through footing wasn't very great there either but I did manage to get across but you know to have peace with God that's a stable place that's a blessed place it's a part of our armor and protection then he talks about the shield of faith wherewith he shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and this is a The Romans had a big shield. Well, they had several sizes, but this was a big shield. It was about four feet long and a couple feet wide or a little more and covered with leather. And uh, they could, uh, they soaked that if they were facing uh, uh, walls, enemy walls where there were people behind them with... um, with fiery darts, arrow, flaming arrows, and the arrows would thud into these, these shields and soaked with water, they could, could put them out. But to have faith, knowing and trusting the truth, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And with faith we can quench those flaming darts. Take the helmet of salvation. Salvation puts the Holy Spirit in our heart. That is a that is a sign of God's divine ownership of us and his guardianship over us. And the sword of the spirit which is the word of God which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. It doesn't mention prayer as as a part of the armor. It is part of faith. It is part of salvation. It is part of all of it. That communion with God, that union with God, can't happen without the word and prayer at all seasons, in unceasing prayer, at every opportunity, Paul talks about in other places, given wholly to prayer, entreating God from an earnest and sincere heart in the power of the Spirit, praying always. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints awake and alert you know most of this we think of an individual soldier uh, facing the enemy and it's we think of ourselves and our need for the armor put you on the armor put me on I must put on the armor But here he also uh, includes includes, uh, our obligation to our brothers and sisters, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You know, those great shields of faith that uh, we talked about just a little bit ago, the the Romans in battle would sometimes... uh, would sometimes go into a formation with those shields. And the people in the front row, the soldiers in the front row, would lift those shields up and, and would join them edge to edge to make like a wall in front of them. And then the row just behind would lift them up overhead. And so there was like a roof and a wall in front. And they could handle a lot of uh, abuse from arrows and spears and stones that way. It wasn't foolproof, but it was pretty effective. And they could move from that formation into uh, into others as they were directed. But, uh, you know, when there's a, a body of believers that is serious about following the Lord and they've taken upon them the full armor of Christ, then they are... Uh, in fellowship with Jesus Christ and putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Banded together, there is is an added protection and blessing in, in watching and caring for each other. Watching for opportunities and needs. Alerting, warning one another. Encouraging one another. as dads, as leaders, as brothers and sisters, whether young or old. Uh, in, a re- on a, in a recent uh, Wednesday night uh, service, Brother Dan had the, uh, had the men's group, and he looked at a couple of Paul's prayers and uh, was emphasizing the power of prayer and the power of God, and He encouraged us to, uh, to as when we divided up into our groups, smaller groups of four or five, to uh, to pray those prayers. And sitting at the back of the church, there with several other brethren, uh, Brother Sam read through the prayer in Ephesians three, and we claimed that that prayer for that prayer for our own. And and it was a blessing. It was uh, an encouragement. There's power in prayer. There's protection in prayer. So our scripture tells us, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong. Take upon you the full armor of God. That's a safe, a safe place. The only safe place. The only way we can uh, get through the Christian life. And it is the only way we can be effective in helping one another. In uh, being useful to one another in guarding and keeping and helping one another. May the Lord help us as we put on the armor to be faithful and uh, bring glory to God. Let's have a closing song.